This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, as as we come before you today, we ask that you would open up our, our eyes, our hearts, and our minds, that we would see you, and that being in your presence would transform us and make us new. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who conquered death for us. Amen. When was the last time you went to the mountains? I know we have some Victory family here that have just come back from Mount Rainier in Washington. We have another family that is getting ready to go to Mount Denali in Alaska. When I was growing up in El Paso, Cloudcroft, New Mexico was about two hours away. We'd go there a few times a year. And when we'd go there in the summer, it was just so amazing. We'd be leaving a hundred degree heat and we'd go up into the mountains of Cloudcroft and it'd be in the upper 60s or low 70s. As we left our house, the air condition in the car would be blasting. And by the time we got to Lincoln National Forest, our windows would be rolled down on the car. We left the cactus and and the weeds behind and and we exchanged that for apple trees and sky-high pine trees that smelled, oh, so good. Sometimes we would camp there for the weekend. Sometimes we would just go up Sunday after church. But whenever we went, whenever we went, it truly was amazing. To me, it was always a big deal. A big deal. Have you heard of Davis Perigo? He's an accountant in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, he's also a big Taylor Swift fan. And and he wanted to go and be a part of the heiress tour when it was in Nashville. But but the tickets were really high and he was an accountant, you know, and he kind of got that. But he was also clever. He decided what he would do is that he would apply for a security guard job. And so not only did he apply for the job, he got it. And and there you see it on the screen. He's right below the stage as Taylor Swift is singing the songs. And he's singing with all of his might, with all of his lungs. You see, for for Davis and maybe for you and and certainly for thousands of others, being in the presence of Taylor Swift is a big deal. Whose presence would you be in that you'd be saying, man, this is a big deal. Today, as Pastor Ben mentioned, we're continuing our series, Summer Vacations, and we're going to go to the Mount of Transfiguration, and the question we're going to answer is, what's the big deal about Jesus' transfiguration? 
Now, before we can jump into the, the scripture and everything on this, I'm just going to give you a little bit of the background. It's kind of important. So right before all of this, Jesus is talking with his disciples, his followers, and he asks them a question. He asks them, who do people say that I am? And the disciples respond back, well, you know, there's a, there's a lot of chatters. Some people think you're a prophet. Some think you're John the Baptist. Some think you're Elijah. And, and then Jesus kind of circles it all back around and he goes, but yeah, okay. But who do you say I am? Okay. And Peter, as spokesman of the disciples, he, he said, Jesus, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Peter's saying, Jesus, you're the Savior. You're the Savior of the world. You're my Savior. And Jesus acknowledges this. And then he goes on and tells them, his friends, we're going to go up to Jerusalem. And when we get there, I'm going to die. Okay. Now, this takes him aback. I mean, think about it. If, if you're talking with one of your friends and, and they go, hey, we're going to go up to Chicago. And when we get there, I'm going to die. You're going to be like, no, this can't be, let alone for the disciples, because they just confessed, Jesus, you're the Savior of the world. You're my Savior, our Savior. And in their minds, the Savior wasn't supposed to die. Okay, so that's the background. We jump into the scriptures. About, day, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Okay, so Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they, they hike up to the mountain, you know, to the mountaintop. Now, to be honest, we really don't know for sure which mountain this is. Okay. There's, a, there's a couple of main options, and they each have their strong points, but the, the big deal is not the mountain. The big deal is what happened on the mountain. And what happened on the mountain was that Jesus was transfigured. The word for, the, for our word for transfigured is metamorphosis. There was a change that took place. Okay. Just as a, a caterpillar undergoes the process of more metamorphosis before it becomes a butterfly, so also Jesus' physical appearance changed. He got this glorious, glorious glow. The scripture says his, his face shone like the sun. What, what I thought about doing was grabbing a, a mirror and pointing it up at the lights and at you and the camera and stuff like that. But I opted not because that would really hurt. Okay, this is really bright. Jesus' face shone like the sun. It was really bright. His clothes became white, dazzling white, whiter than anyone could bleach them. This is Jesus' divine nature showing through. Okay. As Jesus is transfigured, it shows us that as Savior, he is not only man, but he is also God. This was the most glorious thing the disciples had ever, ever, ever seen. Nothing was even close. Okay. So what's the big deal about Jesus' transfiguration? It reveals Jesus' divine identity. 
Peter, James, and John were in the presence of the holy and awesome and brilliant and glorious God. The cool thing is, is it's not just for them. It's not just for the people way back then, back in the Bible times. Do you know what Jesus has promised you? Jesus has promised you his presence always. He said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. It's always with you. So you're walking through the house and the, and the kids have brought all the dishes that they've been hoarding up in their room and they've piled them into the sink. And, and those dishes are stacked all over the place. It looks like a house of cards. Jesus is right there with you, okay? When you go to work, Jesus is with you. When you're chasing down the kids, Jesus is with you. When you're on vacation, Jesus is is with you when you're scrolling through Instagram and, and flipping through the TikToks, Jesus is with you. When you're reading the books, Jesus is with you, okay? He, he, he's with you here at the ministry center. He's with you, those of you who are worshiping online, wherever you're at, he's with you. He's with you when you go to the zoo. He's with you when you make that phone call to your frailing, ailing parent, wondering how they're doing. He's with you when you're all alone in your thoughts. Because you're really not all alone in your thoughts. There's a plus one. He is with you, including right now. Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise up on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Being in the presence of the holy and awesome and glorious God, that's a big deal. And that is where you're at right now. That's a big deal. So Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they, they hike up the mountain, the four of them. But then suddenly there's two more. Scripture says, two men, Moses and Elijah appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Okay. So Jesus, during the, the transfiguration, all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appear. What's that all about? Why are they there? 
And one of the things this teaches us with Moses and Elijah being there, it, it, it points toward the resurrection. See, God is the God of the living and not the dead. For all of us who've had dear loved ones pass away, make no mistake about it. Those who believed in Jesus as their Savior, they're very much alive. It's like Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah are there also as representatives of the law and the prophets. Moses was the lawgiver. Elijah was a prophet. And for Jesus to be the Savior, he had to keep all of the law and fulfill all of the prophecies of the Savior. So Moses and Elijah are there, and they're talking with Jesus about his departure, uh, about his exodus. Remember I told you that right before we started on this journey up the mountain, Jesus told his friends, hey, we're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. Moses and Elijah are talking to him about that. They're talking to him about what was to come, about his crucifixion, where he would pay for all the sins that we did, for all the times we broke the law, but he kept the whole law for us in our place. And and there on the cross, as the prophecy said, you know that he, he will take away our sins and in exchange, give us his righteousness. That's a really big deal, okay? We're saved by grace through faith. You see, back, at, back in the day, back at Jesus' time, a, a whole lot of people thought, that they could earn God's favor and that they could earn their way into heaven. They could earn their salvation. In fact, there was this this whole religious group called the Pharisees. And in addition to the 10 commandments, the Pharisees came up with over 600 other laws to follow so they could show how good they were. So they could earn God's favor, the respect of the people so they could earn God's salvation, so they thought. And and just so you know, they weren't so good at keeping those 600 laws, let alone the Ten Commandments. But do you know anyone who is exhausted because they're trying to keep up a good front? Do you know anyone who is just tied in in anxiety in knots because they're trying to do the right thing, say the right thing, have the, the right attitude all of the time, and they know deep down they're not doing that all the time, and 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 that they're kind of hoping that, that God's gonna give them a pass for all the times that they have done, at least in their own minds, the right things. Do you, do you know anyone like that? Do you, do you know anyone who is comparing themselves with coworkers, with family, with friends, with neighbor, with people on the news, trying to show they're better, trying to earn God's favor and and earn God's salvation. You know anyone like that? Me either. Mm -hmm. 
kidding ourselves. We're ripping ourselves apart, trying to earn God's favor and salvation. We already have it. Instead of coming up with our own version of the 600 other laws about how other people should act, I would never do that. We already have God's holiness and his righteousness, his forgiveness, and our salvation. Not because of anything we've done, not because of anything we haven't done, but because of what Jesus has already done. And that's a big deal. What's the big deal about Jesus' transfiguration? It shows us that he is our savior by keeping all of the law and fulfilling all of the prophecy. Kind of reminds me of a, a pretty popular Christian song by Mercy Me called Best News Ever. The words of the refrain are this, what if, what if I were the one to tell you that the fight's already been won? Well, I think your day's about to get better. What if I were to tell you that the work's already been done? It's not good news. It's the best news ever. The work has already been done. That's a big deal. So the four, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they, they go walking up the mountain, hiking up the mountain. And Moses and uh, uh, Elijah are about to leave, but, but suddenly someone else shows up. Okay. Yeah, at least his voice. The scripture says that as the men, Moses and Elijah, were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. You know what he's saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and, and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered a cloud, the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. So Moses and Elijah are getting ready to leave. That, that pretty much means Peter, James, and John, and Jesus are, are going down too. And, and Peter interjects, hey, no, no, let's stay here. Let's stay on vacation. Let's not go back home. This is a cool place. Ever been like that? Ah, sure wish we could stay here instead of going back home. And God the Father interrupts all of that. And he says to the disciples, this is my son who I've chosen. Listen to him. The Hebrew word for listen doesn't just mean hear the words. It means 
do the words. <laughs> what, what you've heard, do those actions. What's the big deal about Jesus' transfiguration? We learn that we're to follow Jesus. This gives us direction and guidance for the rest of our lives. See, we, we aren't just to hear the words, love God with all your heart. We're to actually love God with all our heart. We aren't to, to just hear the words, love your neighbor, love your enemy. We're actually supposed to do it. to forgive from our hearts. To keep the marriage bed pure. Actually supposed to do that. To seek and save the lost. See, Christianity is not about information. It's about life transformation, following the ways of Jesus. That's a big deal. One more thing I, I wanna touch on today is Jesus is up on that, that beautiful mountain at the very beginning, says, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. As he was praying. The Greek word for, for prayer, it's, it's, it's got two words in there, toward or exchange and then wishes or blessing. As we pray our heart-to-heart -heart talk with God, we're exchanging what we think is good for the real blessing, for what God knows is good. We're changing our thoughts for God's thoughts. Maybe some of you have a sign in your home or maybe it's on a coffee cup where it says, Prayer changes things. A lot of us worshiping today, we learn to pray just about as soon as we learned to talk. But those little kid prayers that we had, they seem so distant now compared to our grown-up prayer list. When we were praying as, as a little kid, who would have thought that we would be where we are at today and have gone through the things that we've gone through? Sometimes when we were little kids, we, we just, you, you know, we were the ones, we go, hey, mom and dad, let's pray. Let's pray before we go to bed. And, and, and now, sometimes we're just so stuck. Sometimes it's, it's hard to come up with the words. Sometimes we, we wonder, is our prayer really going to do anything 
about all this pain and suffering and confusion and disappointment. But praying like Jesus changes things. Better said, praying like Jesus changes you and me. For example, if you've ever been angry with someone and you've actually prayed with them right there in that moment, it changes you. When we pray in the, in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, your, your will be done, part of that prayer is, is God, your will be done. Change my ways so they connect up with your ways, my thoughts with your thoughts. See, that's exactly how Jesus prayed. Remember it? He said, Abba, Father, everything is possible from you. This is on the night he's betrayed, right? He's about to, he's about to die. Everything is possible for, him, for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. As we pray like Jesus, we become more like God, seeking out his will instead of our own. Okay. And this change as we pray, typically it's, it's not a microwave change. Typically it's not an easy bake oven. Look what I made change. Usually takes some time. Kind of like when that oyster out in the, the sea gets that irritant in, inside of its shell and it pours nacre on it. And it's, it's just looking for protection. It's looking to get rid of that, that irritant. It has no idea what's going on. It has no idea through that whole process that something beautiful, something glorious, something extravagant, something splendid and full of splendor is happening, that there's gonna be this beautiful pearl that comes out of it. So often when you and I pray then too, right? Maybe, maybe the words are, are flowing pretty smoothly or, or maybe we're screaming, we're shouting, we're pleading, we're broken. Maybe we can't even come up with the words, but God steps in in those occasions too. And as we're praying with our hearts, God is changing us into someone even more special. What's the big deal about Jesus' transfiguration? We learn to bring our hearts to God in prayer. Remember, we pray anytime, anywhere, about anything, 
God hears and answers our prayer. Through the account of Jesus' transfiguration, we learn that God is present with us, always. We learn that, that Jesus is our Savior. He's fulfilled all the law, kept all the prophecies. We learn that, that we're to follow him, not, not our ways, not the ways of the world, but we're to follow him. And we learn that prayer changes us and changes our hearts. So what's the rest of your life look like? To see a, a transformation in your life because of Jesus' transfiguration, you can begin every day acknowledging God is with you. Realizing that Jesus is your Savior, work's already been done. You can be committed to following Jesus. And you can begin every day with heartfelt prayer. It's a big deal. Changes things. Changes us. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes we make life more difficult than it really is. Lord, sometimes Life is really, really hard. But you're way bigger than any circumstance we might find ourselves in. Help us to see you. You're right there with us. Help us to realize what you've done for us. You are our Savior. Thank you for the direction and guidance you give us in life to, to follow Jesus. And thank you for opening the door through Jesus to heartfelt, open conversation with you whenever we want and whenever we need. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.